really cool. But before that, would you please put down your cell phones, put them in your pocket. You can text your peoples after service. Um, make sure. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we want you guys focused in. If you have Bibles, um, either use this one uh, up here on the, the big sky Bible or, um, or bring your own hardcover Bible. That is a good thing to have. It doesn't have to be hardcover, but like hard copy. That's what I meant to say. Don't have a hardcover. Those things are like $120. Okay. Hey, guys, let's pray before we, before we actually get in. Just kind of set uh, the tone and, and invite the Holy Spirit in. Father, we ask that you would, just, um, you would just bless this time. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, just begin to prepare hearts to listen and to hear your word. I pray that um, for everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they're a student, a leader, a parent, um, maybe they just kind of stumbled in because they didn't know what was going on. But Father, I pray that your word would speak clearly and boldly to each of these students. I pray that they would walk away with exactly what it is that you would have for them um, and exactly what it is uh, that they need. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me um, as I read your word, as I teach on it, um, and, and just allow your words to be my words. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We're going to read um, about 20-something verses. I know everybody's like, everybody's like, oh, wow, whoa. Read a whole chapter, read two verses, read four verses. I always try to let you guys know just so you can buckle up and get in to what we're in, um, what we're going into. But um, do you guys have um, family or friends or people that you know who have kind of like ran away from maybe not figurative or maybe like literally but figuratively? Like they've either, they've, they've either cut themselves off from your family or they've, they've, they've really distanced themselves because of whatever circumstances. It's kind of painful, isn't it, to, to walk through that and to, to deal with that. But if you ever are, are blessed enough to have that situation, have that, that family um, severing repaired and restored, it feels amazing. It's an awesome experience to be able to, to walk into that and, and, ex, and experience that. Uh, for, for me, my family, just so you guys know, uh, I have some family and they got into substance abuse really hard. Like I had, I had family who uh, were uh, alcoholics. I had families, uh, family members who were addicted to all sorts of different drugs. I had a cousin uh, who, who literally was one of the biggest sellers of meth in the city that, that I lived in and grew up in. And let me tell you something. It, it was so, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with that family situation because it's like their family and I love them and I care about them. And let me tell you, my cousin is one of the, like the funniest dudes on the planet. But there's this hesitancy that we have and we're like, hey, gotta, gotta hold off because you can't like just let people who are that destructive living that lifestyle in fully, right? But then fast forward 10 years 
And the same family members that I have that were dealing with alcoholism and, and dealing with substance abuse and, and selling drugs and, and really just doing all of that stuff, guess what? They are saved. They're in church. They went through recovery programs. Like, they are all good, and they're in the family with us. Like, it's, it's an awesome feeling to be able to, to talk about church or talk about my faith, and they actually get it and understand it because they're walking through it the same way that I'm walking through it. And it's like there's no more of that separation that's there. That's a really cool thing. If you've ever experienced anything like that, it's, uh, th these kind of stories are, are the stories of prodigal sons and daughters. So a lot of you are like, okay, I know where this is going if you've spent any time in church. Anybody know what a prodigal son or daughter like means, like a dictionary definition if you had to, to give one? Yeah, what, what would you say? Yeah. Someone who, who walked away from the Lord, it can actually even not be a spiritual thing. A lot of times it is because it's in the Bible. But it can actually be somebody who just leaves their family or leaves their mom, leaves their dad. And they just walk away from the lifestyle that they grew up in or lived in. And now they've returned back to it. Um, and I think that the, the story of the prodigal son is just what we're going to kind of unpack is such an important um, piece of, of Jesus' teaching. It's found in Luke, and Luke wants to explain to Gentiles, like me and you, why Jesus came to die for our sins just like he did for the Jews. Because in that time, you had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. It was two different people groups, and, and, and a lot of people were hesitant to expand their faith to this Gentile group. And Luke is all about like, nah, none of that. We're all one family. Like, let's do this thing together. And so he uses a lot of Jesus's interactions and this mending, this bridging from Jews to Gentiles into one family. That's what his whole thing is about. So we're going to kind of unpack this parable of the lost son together. So it starts in uh, verse 11, this is what it says. It says, Jesus continued, because he was kind of in the middle of this teaching about finding lost things, and there's all of those. You guys can read them. It's all of chapter 15. It says, there was a man who had two sons. Everybody say two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, everybody say everything. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to do what? To feed pigs. And that's what, you know, I, it, already you, you kind of see that. And it's just crazy. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one would give him anything. Literally, we end this section and we find that, like, literally he's taken all of his wealth, all of the things that he was given, and he's just wasted all of it, and now he's in a spot where he's literally willing to eat out of like a pig's trough. It's disgusting. Who wants to eat out of a pig's trough? I, how did I know you were going to say yes? No, a real one with like real pig slop and everything like that. Like disgusting. Guys. 
<laughs> okay, whatever. We're not going to get into this discussion. So, guys, he's desperate, right? He, he, he's squandered all of his, his um, the, what he's been given by his father. This is actually an important thing because back then you couldn't get your, father, your father's inheritance until after your father did what? Died. So when you say, hey, give me my inheritance now, you're basically telling, I wish you were dead. That's a pretty intense conversation to have, right? And sometimes, sometimes we can find ourselves in the situation of being this son, this younger son. And already we can, we can grab from this parable that when we place ourselves in this story, when we place ourselves in this, in this character, we know, just like he thought, he could go out and do his own thing, right? We want to do our own thing. That's the first little point if you're taking notes. We want to do our own thing. That's what we kind of, we're kind of just wired to do our own thing. So he wastes all of his money, and times continue to get tougher on him. Finally, he becomes a servant to somebody who he doesn't even know, and he's supposed to feed pigs. Even worse than that, because how many people want to feed pigs? No? Okay. All right. Well, I know. I'm asking a bunch of... Yeah, I, I get it for, for money, but, but he's, not, he's not doing it for money. He's probably in debt at this point. And so he's in a predicament so bad that he's like, hey, man, that pig slop looks really good, and I could eat that. And maybe, maybe it wasn't that he wanted to eat it, but he just was so hungry and so hurting for everything that he, the situation that he found himself in. You see... A lot of times we look at this parable, we, we see this thing of, of the, the prodigal son, and we do this same thing. We look, at, we look at God and we look at people around us who genuinely want to help us, but more so God. And, and, and we can look at them and say, no, 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 no. I know you care about me. I know you want what's best for me. I know you're looking out for me, but I actually, I just want to do my own thing. And we take our inheritance, whatever that is, and we run and try to do things on our own. Why is that? Because we're human. Because, because we're selfish. We can, we can find ourselves in a, in a situation where we just want to, to, to uh, serve ourselves. That's just kind of how we're wired to, to be. Many people today don't want to be confined to what God has called them into, the standard that he's requiring us to live at. But then they find themselves working in, in, in servitude in a job that they don't want, desperate for help because they denied what God was actually trying to give them. Because here's the craziest part about this son asking for the inheritance, right? If he's asking for the inheritance from his father, he's asking for what his father has, right? But if he's still living with his father, doesn't he already have access to all the stuff that he was asking for in the first place? Yeah. So why is he, so why is he doing that? It's because he wanted to be out on his own and do his own thing and not have anybody 
uh, around him or, or telling him what to do. He didn't want any supervision. Hey, guys, can you? Thank you. He was, he, yeah. If you've ever been around a toddler, these guys are the most selfish and like they're like I'll do whatever on my own terms I don't care what you have to say even if you're trying to help them right so like uh, so like my brother um, he uh, he has a girlfriend and he actually just sent me this video they, they went on a vacation and uh, he, he's yeah and so anyway his, his girlfriend has a, a two-year-old and so he's kind of it's kind of cute to watch them kind of hang out he's like always uh, they were driving down the, the, the road, and uh, his girlfriend's son wanted to hold his hand and all this stuff. Like, it was just really cute, right? I know. I'll show you guys the pictures. It was really cute. But he sends me this video. We're, we're playing video games and hanging out and all this stuff, me and my brother are. And, uh, and he goes, dude, I've got to show you this video. I said, what? He goes, we took her son to a house of mirrors. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> a two-year-old? He's like, Yeah. He goes, but he wanted to run on his own and do his own thing. So he let go of my hand, and I go, what happened? He goes, let me show you the video. And it was hilarious. Me and Macy watched it like three or four times because he lets go of my brother's hand, who's walking him around this house of mirrors, turns around, takes off, boom, and just hits one of the mirrors. And he turns around, and he's just like, what the heck? <laughs> like, and my brother is laughing hysterically. He's like, hey, come on, let's, let's get you on the right path. You know, sometimes we can kind of be like that, that toddler, that, that, that person who, who wants to do our own thing. Nobody's going to tell us any different, even if it, we're going to find ourselves in a bad situation. Does that make sense to you guys? Let's, I'll, I'll show you guys the video for sure. Um, let's go ahead and let's, let's read on uh, in verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, everybody say, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He says, I will set out and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. And he got up and he went to his father. So, We've already established that sometimes we can find ourselves in situations where we want to do our own thing. Actually, a lot of times we find ourselves wanting to do our own thing and walk away from what's really best for us, which is God's protection, God's hand, God's covering, the Father, right, in this parable. We find the Father's covering over him, right? We see that. Here's the, the second aspect of this story and this parable, why it's so important. Eventually... We're going to come to our senses. So we're going to find ourselves in situations where we want to do our own thing, where we want to move on and do whatever. But then we are also, as we step into doing our own thing, we're going to come into our own senses. And we're going to go, I messed up. I'm jacked up. I'm in a messed up situation. I need to change. But here's the crazy thing. He didn't want to come back to the same position that he left, right? He left as a son. When he was contemplating to himself, when he's talking to himself, he's like, I don't even need to come back as a son. I can come back and I'll just be a slave. Like, I'll just be a servant. Like, that'll, that'll, that, he's going to be so mad at me. He's going to be so angry with me that I'll just come back and I'll say, please take me as a servant. Don't kill me. Don't hurt me. Just, just take me in as a servant and I'll be 
uh, you know, I won't be your son anymore. But he comes to his senses and he's like, you know what? This is not the life for me. I need to go back home. The, the expression for what he says when he says, I need to return back home, when he's thinking and when he's, uh, when he's sitting uh, and, and trying to, to come to his senses, what that really means in, in the, the old you know, Hebrew and, and Aramaic, it means that he repented. Everybody say repented. Repentance is important because it, it's the thing that moves us, right? When we look at repentance, we can look at it and we can go, okay, I need to, to move from this point over here. I can't, I can't be at this spot anymore. I need to change. I also think it's really cool. I was just studying it and reading it, and this is the first time I've picked up on it. But notice Jesus' order he, when, when the son says, I have sinned against who and who? I've sinned against heaven and you. Do you guys know in the Ten Commandments, it's important to honor who first? Heaven, God, and then to do what? Your parents, love other people, all that stuff. So all, already, even in the repentance of this son, it's already modeling what Jesus has been teaching and teaching and what God has been placing for his people through the Ten Commandments and all of that stuff. I think that that's really cool, that Jesus is really consistent like that. But he decides, hey, I need to go back home. But he was not only returning to the father that he, he disrespected, he was returning empty-handed because he wasted all of his money. Eventually, if we do things on our own and we walk away from God, or maybe we don't have that relationship at all, let me tell you, eventually you're going to find yourself in a situation that you can't get out of on your own, that you need that repentance and that turning back to, to God who can really help you in that situation to, to be restored. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But here's the, here's the crazy thing, and I, I mentioned this before, and, this is, and then we'll read on to the next part. He rejected his father, right? He said, I don't want, you, you know, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like, just give me my inheritance and I'm going to leave. And he probably fu left fully intending on not coming back, right? But by the end of this little story, that, that, that the progression of this story, he rejected his father, but then he's like, I'm going to return home as a reject myself. I'm not saying to, like, beat yourself up over everything, <laughs> but, like, we have to have that thing of repentance in our life that, uh, that moves us to say, you know what, I was wrong, I need to come back. Let's read about the response that this father has in uh, verse 20 and uh, all the way through 24. What it says, so, but while he was still a long way off, so now he's coming back home, this younger son. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This is not the, like, welcome home that you would expect, right? I mean, imagine how mad your parents would be if you emptied their bank account and you went out and you just spent it on, like, uh, candy. Yeah, Dr. Pepper is what I would be spending it on, which isn't a bad purchase, I'm just saying. Um, but, like, imagine how mad they would be. And here he is, he comes home, and before, like, as soon as he sees his son, he runs after him, and he hugs him, and he, and he kisses him, and he embraces him. He's letting him know, like, hey, I love you already from, from the jump. 
And it said here, it said, the son said to him, so here he comes. He's practiced his apology and his repentance, right, from earlier. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And then it says, bring the calf, uh, the fattened calf. Everybody say the fattened calf. Yeah. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was what? Was dead. But now he is alive again. Here's the cool thing with the story of the prodigal son. This is what makes it so good for us. If you are struggling, if you have ever walked away, if you are ever in a position where maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord at all, and maybe you're scared, maybe you're so far away from God that you're scared to even come back because you're like, I don't know how people would respond, and I don't know how God would respond. Let me tell you something. The Father will always welcome you back and always be so happy that you're back. Guys, there is not anything too dirty, too messed up, too broken for God not to say, I'm so glad you're back. Let's get this thing fixed. Let's fix you up. Let's get you the, the best robe. Let's give you the ring. Let's give you the sandals. Guys, back in that time, slaves couldn't wear, you know, servants and stuff, they couldn't wear uh, shoes. Like it was just culturally, that's not what they did. So the, fact that, so the fact that he says, bring him sandals, get him a robe, get him a finger, bring the fattened calf, we're going to celebrate. Like that's the response that this father has. Is that a normal response, do you think? The response you would have if somebody wasted all your money? No, not at all. Not at all. The youngest son, he still admits the sin to his father, but his father doesn't want to hear all of it. You guys listening? He, you remember he practiced this whole speech about I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'll, I'll come back as a slave. And he's like ready to, to recite that. And his father says, uh-uh, uh-uh, I don't want to hear any of that. Let's go ahead and let's celebrate. In the same way that the son was restored back into the family, back into this family unit. We can be restored back into the family of God. We can be accepted into the family of God. If you've never made that decision, if you've never been about that, if that's not what, you know, your MO has been, or maybe you're scared, or maybe you, you're, you're nervous about what that could look like, let me tell you, God is not, like, wagging a finger at you. He is not uh, going to bring up a laundry list of all the bad things that you've done and be like, hey, I'm going to hold you accountable for this, 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 this. Guys, if you can really, really give yourself over to what God wants for you and really live according to the standard that he has, he will always accept you. He will always love you. He will always be there for you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to walk away. Did you guys know that there is a party in heaven when we turn back to God? There are no repercussions. Uh, there are no... Uh, there are not, there's nothing uh, that's held against us. But here's the, here's the other thing. Here's the caveat to this. Because a, a lot of times, I know, I was young like you. You sit down and you're like, oh, awesome. This is a great deal. I could do whatever I want. No. Here's the important thing in this entire story. Don't make this a habit. <laughs> Don't constantly be the prodigal son who's going away and walking away and 
and then I'm going to come back and, and be accepted. God will always do that, but we can't take advantage of it, right? Do you guys like being taken advantage of by, like, people around you? No, it's not fun. As God doesn't want to be taken advantage, he's still going to love you. He's still going to be there for you. But please don't take advantage of that grace and that mercy that he has. It's like, have you guys ever lost something before and then you find it like a little while later and you like throw a mini party for yourself because you're like relieved? <laughs> so when I, was, when I was probably 11 or 12, um, we had this theme park near where I lived called Holiday World. Have you guys ever heard of Holiday World? Anybody heard of Holiday World? Seriously? Okay. I'm going to talk to you later because I'm going to tell you what ride or ask you what rides and stuff you know of because if you don't, I'm going to be mad. Okay, okay. So anyway, so it's like 45 minutes away from where I live. I'm 12 years old. I'm at, uh, I think it was like a middle school thing, uh, elementary school thing. And guys, I lost my wallet. I know. My Velcro wallet with my school picture and my address, and it was, like, in blue print for some reason. I don't know why. It was Velcro, and, like, dude, I was flipping out. I was like, oh, no, I lost my money. It had 20 whole dollars in it. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, no. But here's the cool thing. Um, because my mom taught me well and gave me a, a really awesome Velcro wallet. It had my phone number and my email and stuff on it. So we get a phone call from Holiday World Customer Support, and they're like, hey, we found this wallet. We know it's yours. Do you want it shipped back to you? I'm like, please, please don't take my money out. <laughs> please don't take my money. Anyway, two or three weeks later, because they took forever to ship it, but I finally was able to get my, my wallet back in the mail, and I was able to throw that mini party because I had something that was lost, I found something that was really valuable to me, and it was restored back. I could put it back in my pocket, and I could crack that Velcro open all the time as much as I wanted to. I know. Velcro wallets are awesome, man. I love them. Anyway, guys, that's, that, that mini celebration that we have is nothing compared to what God does when, when we are restored back, when we come back into the fold, and when we really dedicate ourselves. Here's the other thing really quick. There's this, it, the story kind of shifts. So we have that whole thing, which is awesome. And that's really where we're going to pray here in a little bit about and all that stuff. But then the, the story shifts a little bit. I want to read in verse 25. It says, meanwhile, everybody say meanwhile. So there's like a shift. The older son was in, the, was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He said, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. There that is again. Because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, at all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You guys good? Thank you. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he says, my son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. There that is again. But now is alive again. He was lost 
and he's found. Guys, for as, as important as that story of restoration, being back into the kingdom, being back into the family of God is, maybe you find yourself and you're like, I've never walked away from the Lord and I've always been a Christian and that's just who I am. Awesome. That's great. This story is still for you because we could find ourselves in the spot of the older brother. Guys, don't get upset or offended or cynical. Does anybody know what cynical means? Like where you're just constantly like, you know, you're just always like, oh, whatever. Guys, don't be that way when people get saved. Don't be that way when people come in here and they're messed up. Because guess what? Lost people are going to act like lost people, right? It's up to us. It's up to us as believers. Hey, guys, right here. I know. So cool. <laughs> but look, lost people are going to act like lost people. It's up to us to accept them and welcome them and love them and be there for them. So maybe you find yourself and you're like, hey, I'm not even dealing with any of this. Hey, that's great. Guard your heart so that when people do come into these doors in youth, when people are in your school and they are lost, they are broken, they are hurt, when they act that way, we're not offended. And we don't shrug our shoulders or go, oh, good for them. If they get saved, if they find themselves in a spot where they finally are there, man, we should welcome others back in the same way that we're accepted back when we mess up. Yo, if we're not careful, we can grow really, really cynical. But one of the things that a lot of people miss when they talk about the, the, this parable is that rejoicing with people as they are restored back into the family is actually a requirement of God. Jesus requires it. This father tells this son who doesn't seem to understand why there's a party going on. He says, we had to celebrate. Your brother's back. We had to celebrate. If you guys ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, I can't believe so-and-so is here and they're trying to act all cool. And you come to me with that, I'm going to tell you, hey, we have to celebrate that. We have to honor that. We have to bring that. Does, does that make sense to you guys? Okay. I hope it, I hope it does. Because as we, as we close, if you guys want to bow your heads and, and close your eyes, just so we can focus in on these last few moments. I know I've taken a lot of time. Like I said, with this parable, it's so easy to look at these characters and be like, I identify with that or I identify with that. Some people, you might be in that situation of the younger brother and you've walked away and you're full of, your own, you know, your own selfishness. Sorry about that. Kind of came off rude. Sorry. But maybe you find yourself and you're like, I, I, I don't have a relationship or I'm walking away. I don't want a relationship. I don't want to be a part of it. Like, can I just tell you? That if you're scared or if you're worried or if you're kind of just going in, in your head about what our reaction is going to be or what God's reaction is, man, we are going to love you. We're going to accept you. We are going to, like, celebrate that. God celebrates that. Don't ever feel like you're too dirty or too messed up or too broken to come back and, and, and find acceptance with the Lord. And like I said, to others, accepting people into the family is difficult because you feel like you've done all the work. I get it. I grew up in church my entire life. And in my youth ministry, we had a van ministry where a lot of our kids were. 
a lot of them were messed up. And I looked at myself and I'm like, oh, why are they even here? Like, this is for me. Don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes you can fall into both of these categories at the same time where you're yourself lost, but then you find other people and you're like, well, they're messed up too, so whatever. Wherever we find ourselves, we have to be connected and rooted to the Father so that we can function in the same way that our family leader does, the way our, our, our Father does. We have to model this thing out. If God the Father is going to accept people and love people and, and, and welcome them back in the kingdom, there's no reason why we can't live and operate with that same kind of radical love, that same kind of, of attitude of acceptance. So tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't want people looking around. I want you guys focused in. Because tonight, if you were to read this story, go through this, this, this parable, and you would say, I'm, I've walked away, and I'm kind of scared about what coming back would even look like, or maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Let me tell you, it is the best thing. And it's not anything that's like, a checklist of things that you have to do. You just have to be open and ready to listen to him and follow him. And it's the best decision. So tonight, if you were to say, I, I, I've walked away or I've, I'm, I'm away from the Lord, but I would like to, to come back into that family. Or I would like to be accepted in that family for the first time. Would you raise your hand tonight? You would say, I want to be a part of that family. I want to get in there tonight, if you would say, hey, this is all good and fine, but like I've been a Christian my entire life. And I just struggle with people who are broken who come here, people who are messed up. Like this is my youth group. This is my youth ministry. This is my time. Like if you've kind of grown cynical with people who come in here or come into the church in general, then you need to, to start aligning your heart in a way that reflect how the Father would react and accept. So if that's you, would you just please raise your hand? If you say, I need to I need to work on myself to accept people more and to, to be more less judgmental and all the things that this older brother seemed to do. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Thank you for each and every student here. I thank you for the young men and women that you are calling them to be. Father, whatever it is that is holding them back in their relationship to fully give themselves to you, I pray that tonight you would just begin to speak to them and ease their heart of the tension that sometimes is created in thinking, oh, I don't know how... God is going to react, or I don't know how other people are going to react. Father, I pray that they would just take that step, be bold, and take that step to, to enter into a relationship with you. Lord, for those of us who struggle with hurting and broken people, who, who struggle with trying to reconcile all of it because we just want to hold ourselves to to the things that we like and enjoy. We, we've lived faithful. We've been 
faithful to come and to engage in all of this stuff. I pray for those of us who are here who are struggling with that, that we would accept and welcome broken people in. And when they finally accept you, I pray that we would celebrate the exact same way that heaven does. I thank you for your word that it's relevant, it's timely, it's something that we can look at ourselves, especially in these parables, and we can see where we fit in. We can see the same characteristics that we have to these characters that you spoke in. So Father, I ask that over these next few moments as we enter into a time of worship, that you would just calm our hearts and focus us to listen to what it is that you have for us tonight. But I pray that you would just flood this place with your Holy Spirit and the students would have an encounter with you that they cannot deny and cannot just walk away from. We are believing for amazing things both personally and collectively as a youth ministry. So Father, I ask that you would take this message, take this parable, allow it to sink into our hearts and allow it to, to guide us in every single interaction that we have, every single thing that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.